Hi, and welcome to another 5G update. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor at Light Reading. And uh, this week, which is the, uh, the uh, election week in the US, uh, the week of November uh, 2nd or 3rd, I forget, all the days run together. Um, uh, we had the 5G Transport and Networking Strategy Symposium. And uh, to uh, help us uh, recap a little bit of what was discussed uh, from the optical networking side, um, Sterling Perrin of our heavy reading analyst group joins us to talk about uh, uh, optical networking and all that that implies. Hi, Sterling. How are you? Hey, Phil. Good to talk to you. Good to speak to you as well. I, I do miss seeing uh, everyone in that, that typically goes to the transport, uh, you know, related events uh, in New York City. That usually is a is a highlight of my year because uh, I learn a lot. I eat great food. And uh, usually there's some kind of weird weather event that we can yeah. all talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it's one of my favorite events too. It's, you know, as you remember, just tracking that over the years, it went from this little tiny, you know, one room event, as Gabriel had explained when he uh, opened up the virtual event this year. And then it got yeah. bigger and bigger and bigger. And then we went online this year. Um, you know, we had to, of course. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I safe. miss um, the, the gathering. But there, there were some benefits too. Uh, in that we got uh, virtual, we got a more global audience and yeah. a, a more global set of, of speakers. So a lot more input, particularly from Europe, and also some Canadian operators this time. And and we still had good engagement. We just you know missed the food and I guess the I know yeah weird weather it, <laughs> the, that the what was always a I guess a, a okay I'll stop remembering and then I'll I'll actually get into the topics. But one one of the the things that I always liked about that event that I thought was different than most other tech events that I go to is that the happy hour lasted for maybe 45 minutes or an hour as the session would close and it always was supposed to wrap up at you know, six o'clock or something. And you would come back, you would go to dinner, come back. There would still be people there at nine, 10 o'clock. <laughs> you know, they they were very happy. Standing and talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, it was a group that really loved talking about what they do and, and, you know, and, and how it matters and where it was going and stuff like that. And I guess, you know, in the, in the optical networking space, I mean, it is, you know, it is, uh, all, they're always just pushing the limits of what we can do, you know, uh, physically and and how and how to make it work in you know a business context and i think that's uh one of the things i wanted to you know start off talking about was network slicing because that was one of the topics of one of your panels uh network slicing for transport networks um i guess my first question is you know what what has to happen if we're going to take network slicing and make that happen all the way throughout, you know, not just at the yeah. radio side, but all the way throughout the network. Um, and then where does that, you know, is, is there an answer to where that ends? Does it, does it really, um, th does that, uh, methodology completely separate the network, you know, all the way to the core? Yeah. I think that's one of the things where, you know, if you think back to the, last year's event to this year's event, there were things that had progress. Uh, mm -hmm. And I would say probably that would be one of the areas where we haven't seen much progress. Um, and it's new, you know, the, the slicing yeah. is very much tied to the uh, phase two types of, of services, right? Slicing is going to need, you're going to need it to do the ultra reliable, low latency, uh, and maybe for some of the IOT stuff, and just to really get specific services to 
largely the enterprises, which operators are hoping will will pay more for 5G and you know, right. et cetera, et cetera. Um, slicing's tied to that. Those services aren't out yet, so slicing's not ready yet. So you know that's fine in that sense. But um, there are. You know what uh, the, the guy from Ericsson, um, uh, Andreas Olsen, described it as um, the problematic wire, which I guess is the way the, the radio guys see it. Like, you know, we'll figure out all these standards for slicing within the radio, and then there's this cloud thing you hand it off to, and, and right. ta-da. And uh, unfortunately, um, you know, w- once you do that, uh, that handoff hasn't been developed yet, and it's still – you know, from listening to Verizon and some of the panelists, I, I don't think we got a clear picture of who's who's running that show and what's the coordinated effort to do it. Um, yeah. So it seems like the early versions of network slicing are, are going to be radio only, and then it's all going to converge back into the cloud or the core, and you know, kind of put it back into one bucket. So right, to speak. but there's nothing in, to, and you know, the transport network is inevitable. Um, right. And so, if you haven't handled that that mapping to the transport network. Uh, and that's, you know, uh, it's optical, it's up to layer three, you know, it's kind of transport broadly defined. If you, if you haven't done that, then there is no end to end slice. If there's no end to end slice, then w- what have you done? You know, yeah. nothing, really. <laughs> well, you, you probably, it's going to be a radio and software separation. This is kind of, see, this is interesting because this is kind of where we ended the discussion last year was talking about like, okay, for now it'll be this radio and software separation. And, yeah. and then, something <laughs> yeah yeah and so i mean not, you know we're not to something yet <laughs> and the transport you know one of the other interesting things that comes out with slicing is the transport sometimes people get confused about well you know what is slicing in the transport context is quality of service and network separation and, and actually transport has done a lot of those things for, for many years you know yeah. segment routing will, will be an important part and and that brings in sdn control uh and that's great you know there's just various um uh, layer three layer two vpn types of services that can be used to do the transport slice, but mm. it's, you know, how does it interact with, with the radio and what's being sliced there is, again, the the big problem. So the transport people need to look out more broadly of like, you know, what's going on on the other side and the radio guys need to really dig into that problematic wire and understand how, <laughs> how that interaction takes place. And it hasn't, ha- I mean, uh, my sense was it, it still hasn't really, it's being discussed but uh, it's not commercializing, whereas some of the other things that we've been discussing over the couple of years, you've seen more of a yeah you know, getting to There's more, you know, knock more on movement. it. It um, works. Yeah. Well, then let's uh, yeah let's let's so we'll we'll uh, uh, put a pin in that and we'll discuss it at the next event. I'm <laughs> sure we will. Hopefully in person. <laughs> Lots um, of research to be done there, which is good. Another another thing I hope we uh, are. Are treated to at the next event is uh, an interview with Glenn Welbrock of Verizon. Um, yeah. You spoke to him about you know how the company's handling uh, uh, its you know five G traffic you know front hall network. Um, and actually, he's he's mostly he's mostly talked about in the past uh, uh, the mid hall part, I guess, is, and that's changed, right? Yeah, and you know it changed to a degree because we put him on the mid hall and on the front hall session, so. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they seems like Verizon is now you know more willing to talk about what th- what they're doing on on the front hall side. So the mid hall, uh, which we've talked about for years, they have a very packet centric approach to doing. Uh, uh, well, mid hall is packet centric, and they want to do that for their high band spectrum. So the millimeter wave that they you know mm. blast all the commercials about that they have. Right. Uh, the approach to do that is going to be a, a mid hall, which is a, a packet based approach. 
which did leave the question hanging. You know, what is Verizon? Is Verizon going to do front hall? What are they going to do? Mm-hmm. And um, the the uh, you know pictured uh, painted by by Glenn at at, uh, at his keynote Q and A we had is that for their mid band spectrum, um, which is now you know what, what they're moving to, then front hall very much comes into play for that for for a number of reasons. And so uh, we had a discussion and, and through Q and a, of course, a lot of questions from the audience for Glenn. Um, it's a very, so they want to do a packet centric approach to front hall. Uh, in fact, they're doing it and they're in fact, uh, even deploying product now, which is this, um, TSN, uh, uh, IEEE's TSN for, for front hall ethernet standard that came out you know, back in 2018. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, we see operators, including Verizon like it. Uh, vendors, uh, including Fujitsu and Verizon's case and others, uh, have commercialized product and now uh, companies like Verizon are actually deploying it. So that is definitely one of the areas where we talk about something conceptually back and, you know, probably back to 2017. Yeah. People think that's kind of weird. Yeah. And then it, it sort of gains, <laughs> right. it gets standard, and then it, it, it moves. So that was a great story of how the front hall is moving to packet. Yeah, and and it happened. In, I mean, in teleco terms, it really lightning fast. Um, you know, from concept to standardization to uh, commercial deployment. So it it does suggest, especially you know, Fujitsu and Verizon, I think, are a good um, a good uh, one to point at where they're they're a lot more in lockstep than they probably would have been in the past on different things. Yeah, they yeah, seem absolutely. like they're working very closely together. Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly on, on, on that. And then there's other vendors as, as well that have come out mm-hmm. with the products. But yeah, I mean, I remember earlier on in, in this event, 2017, 2018, you know, the idea that Ethernet could be suitable for a front hall link, which is very, very sensitive to um, latency right. due, to, due to the radio network restrictions, nothing to do with the applications, but, you know, talking about microseconds mm-hmm. um, and and uh, Ethernet being able to, to address uh, that type of a, a network was, um, you know, people, a lot of people were skeptical and now it's, it's, uh, we're, we're moving forward. Yeah. That, uh, technology certainly evolved. Um, speaking of, uh, you know, kind of another network evolution as we're talking about edge computing becoming more important and becoming more central to service provider strategies as they're looking ahead to, you know, how am I going to wring some dollars out of 5g now that consumers aren't really paying for it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, I'm sure they they expressed that a little bit differently, but um, uh, as edge computing becomes more important, um, how is the you know what what are some of the bigger uh, technology changes and maybe hurdles that the uh, network operators are are solving in the transport network? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, edge is certainly critical to to the latency piece, uh, mm-hmm. and we did have a discussion on, on the uh, on one of the the, the panels on, on the phase two services panel. About the role of edge, we had Digital Realty on there. We had Telefonica and, and a couple suppliers, um, Infinera and Acacia. Um, yeah. You know where there's still still being discussed where where is the edge, uh, and there's kind of the still the uh, concept that there's going to be multiple places where where the edge resides. I think you know one of those evolutions at our transport event over the years has been um, more, I guess, solidity around where the edge is, or may, maybe where it's not needed. And mm-hmm. so I remember pretty distinctly in our first year back as 2017, uh, there was so much hype around the edge is going to go, you know, uh, the, the data center right at the cell tower and you, you know, multiply times uh, hundreds of thousands of cell towers and wow. 
yeah. then you know that's fallen out the 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 window that's out of favor so there, there's not and i think it's becoming increasingly clear you don't need that many uh edge locations in in a city it's sort of becoming you know here's a city we need some some edge locations in there but that's going to be kind of the, the hub and maybe there's a group of different providers you know from city to city that that may change we're starting to see um kind of more momentum around that so you're not seeing you know any of these companies like digital realty in their case 275 data centers they're very interested in the edge yeah i don't see them deploying 10,000 data centers anytime mm-hmm. soon right well that's what there's a couple of companies that kind of have come up that were um that seemed like their whole mission was to build giant data centers at the base of every cell tower on earth and yeah i it doesn't sound like architecturally the operators are wanting wanting to uh, uh to manage all of that <laughs> well you know and it, it boils down to um you know it's it's about latency and then what kind of latency is acceptable for for applications and you think within a city you know to get within this one to ten it's milliseconds you're talking about one to, to ten and maybe more depending on location yeah. i think people are finding there's actually a lot of applications that can be addressed by just having access to to this data center and and a meet me so that it's you know the the colo is is something from our surveys and from the discussion that's an important because it's where it is and it's who's there and so you have access to the data center and then in a very you know instant direct on on ramp to a cloud mm-hmm. is um is is a great thing uh, and it's not like it has to be you know thirty of them all scattered throughout the city right yeah that's a that, that I, I think it'll it'll be down to maybe literally the application level like where they. Where, where they des- where carriers decide to put the most emphasis, you know, in a in a region or or what have you, um, it's uh, uh well, it's always great to catch up, uh, you know, this time of year, but in general, and optical networking stuff. Um, is there a particular uh, as we're rounding the corner and uh, uh, walking away from the burning embers of twenty twenty, mm. um, uh, uh, with the explosion happening in the background? Is, <laughs> is there a particular technology we should keep an eye on in the transport network for twenty twenty one that's going to kind of jump to the forefront? It's sort of like eight hundred G kind of became a reality this year. Yeah, um, um, you know, I think there'll be that stuff, but uh, you know, I think that the four hundred uh, ZR. Mm-hmm. And the ZR plus concept is is still gonna is gonna be a hot topic next year, mm-hmm. uh, gaining momentum even even it seems in, into the telco area more than you know the traditional data center. Uh, and then one of the things that that is quite new um, that did come up on the, on the edge panel is is the hundred gig coherent, uh, which Acacia had announced uh, back right. a few months back. Yeah. Um, that is a, definitely is something to watch. So you know while. Everybody's moving up to 800 gig and terabit. Uh, Acacia, which you know they're a pretty savvy group, realizes there's a momentum around 100 gig still. So you know as we talk about all these new speeds, the 100 gig, it it continues to exist, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and you know just continues to gain traction. Kind of you know continues its march down market. So as we talk yeah. about 400 gig and 800 gig and whatever, the the bulk is still going to be around 100 gig and still a lot of 10 gig, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even Glenn Welbrock mentioned this in 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 the Q and A. Um, just from a backhaul uh, perspective, there's a requirement to move from one gig to ten gig, uh, really across the country as you move to five G. And and he's saying 
uh, out of their region, uh, there's not a lot of that. There's still a lot of yeah. holes. So that's 10 gig, you know? Yeah. I was about to say there's, there's the, the thing when you're talking about a carrier, the, that's why it's always interesting to hear from a carrier, the size and scope of Verizon or AT&T or somebody like that is like, they have, you know, they don't move all at once. They might be mentally, you know, <laughs> accepting a new technology, but there's, there's an awful lot of stuff in the field that actually physically has to be changed. And that takes a long time. Yeah, I mean, and there's even just practical stuff uh, yeah. that you get from the operators in these discussions, which just just one example I'll leave you with that, that you brought, you kind of reminded me of. Um, mm-hmm. We were talking about the role of, of cable, uh, DOCSIS plant for, for front hall applications, and uh, Victor uh, Esposito from GCI, which was the Alaskan operator, which is somebody right. we wouldn't have got in New York City, so it was great to yeah. have him said, you know, we, we've looked at it, but the reality is any of those places where you have that, that DOCSIS uh, hub, there's fiber right there too. And, you know, as you're moving it, you know, it's the higher speeds of DOCSIS means more and more fiber deep. Yeah. And he said, you know, at that point, why not just go with fiber and, and extend it out? Why, why fight with DOCSIS when you have the, the fiber load? And so it's just one of those things when you talk about technology all day, you know, things can be done technically but then when you look at something from an operational standpoint like that, you know, you quickly find, oh, well, why are yeah. we going to do that? There's a piece of fiber right here. Right. So yeah. That stuff. It's, a, it's the, pra- the practical uh, sometimes rains on the parade of uh, the cutting edge tech. <laughs> I would say almost always. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and to that, I say, I'm going to go have a proper French press coffee now and, uh, and wrap up this interview. Uh, even right. though I have an automatic coffee maker, I still, I still <laughs> like the old school way. Sterling Perrin, thanks so much for uh, taking the time. I appreciate it. All right. Always great catching up, Phil.